Welcome back to Lunch with a Life Coach. I'm your host, Kaylee, and you're in for a treat today, my lovely lunch friends, because on this episode, I'm sitting down with my dear friend and incredible leadership coach, Valine. Valine and I have so much alignment in our lives, and it's so interesting to me that back in 2017, when I was a year out from taking my own corporate adventure, Val was at the height of her corporate career but she was about to embark on a different transformative journey, bidding farewell to corporate America. I was a few years behind her. But when she emerged from what she calls her corporate detox phase, she envisioned her business, Agora Coaching and Training Solutions, to empower leaders throughout their careers and life. And while I didn't know Val back in 2017, I can say with confidence that running Agora Coaching is where Val absolutely shines. You'll see. So whether you're seen as a leader, identify as a leader, or not, we're serving up a different perspective on what it looks like to trust ourselves for lunch today. Val and I chew on the challenges of honoring intuition in corporate America, what it means to reclaim your true identity, and how we can all step into creating power and significance for ourselves without abandoning our values. I left this conversation absolutely buzzing with energy and hope you do too, so pull up a chair and let's dig in. Welcome back to the podcast. I am just thrilled to have Valine here uh, with me today. She is the visionary leader behind Agora Coaching and Training Solutions. Valine holds a Psychology of Leadership certification from eCornell University, the PCC credential from the International Coach Federation, and is a triple certified professional coach. Uh, Gora has touched the lives of countless heart-centered individuals and corporations through diverse coaching and training solutions. Today, Valine's mission is clear, to guide leaders in reclaiming their true identity, trusting themselves fully, and standing in their power to live their purpose. Welcome to the pod, Val. Thank you so much, Kaylee. I am just thrilled to be here. Thank you for a warm welcome. Mm. I have been so waiting to do this conversation and have this conversation. We've had a lot of like walk-in talks recently. I think we had one last week where, I don't know, was it like two hours we went on a walk-in talk together? And it was funny because it was one of those situations which actually inspired this podcast in the first place, which was we were on the phone and we were like, we should be recording this. This should be our podcast. I love those moments though. Like when you just really connect with somebody and you get to have these really deep, insightful, inspiring, mutual conversations that you just think, man, I just can sense that there are just thousands of individuals that would love to listen in on this and be saying, yes, yes, hell yes, I get this. <laughs> yeah, like our cheer squad in the back, our virtual cheer squad in the background is like, yeah, I agree with that more, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's like our friendship has, I don't know, we've been, we've known each other what since, you know, for six months, eight months now, it's a very short amount of time. And you're one of those people where I had this like instant connection, like heart-centered connections with, 
And I so deeply value that. And I find it so interesting that one of the first things that someone said to me about you was, oh, Val went through something similar in the corporate world of burnout and had this really big transformative evolution to create your business. And I think when we first connected, that was my intention of talking to you. And we've never, ever talked about it. Wow. Well, so, let the lunch conversation begin. <laughs> okay. I I know it's lunchtime where you're at. It's I don't even think I've had breakfast yet. I've just had coffee, but I am taking out my coffee to sit down and hear this story because I know that in back in 2017, you bid farewell to corporate America and you went through something that you've called your corporate detox phase, which is where you envisioned Agora training. Um, and coaching solutions. So can you tell me a little bit more about this corporate detox phase you went through and how you reclaimed your true nature and identity? Wow. Yeah, it's such a great conversation to have. And I think that potentially a lot of people listening are going to are going to relate. I don't mm -hmm. think that there's necessarily anything in my story that is unique. I think maybe what is just a bit stretching is the call to something beyond and actually saying yes to. Um, and maybe you call that the heroes or the heroines journey of like seeing that there's something beyond and going, oh my gosh, I'm going to step into that thing that feels really scary. Um, but yeah, I had nearly, you know, at the time I stepped out in 2017, I had been in the corporate space for at that point, I had been working, you know, from my first job right out of school, fresh, fresh, my fresh out of school job. My first real job was working in the airline industry mm. and I marshaled airplanes and de-iced airplanes and I loaded all the people on the airplane. And so you were like tarmac, you were like one of those, like, like flagger <laughs> down tarmac people. Yeah. I was like the everything agent. I did everything except for fly the plane or be a flight attendant. Cause we literally, I worked at a very small airport in mm -hmm. rural Pennsylvania and we would work one flight at a time. And I would be like the person, you know, at the ticket counter checking people in. And then I would put them through security screening. Cause this was well before TSA. And I would like literally lock them in a room <laughs> while <laughs> they would wait while I'd go outside and marshal the airplane in and unload all the bags. And then when all the people were off, I'd unlock the door and I would let all the people out to board the plane. And then I would load their bags on and I'd marshal the plane out or de-ice it if it needed de-icing. Wow. That is, crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. wow. Okay. I've never met someone who has actually done, you were like the Jack of the Jill of all trades airlines. And also how interesting that you locked people in a room. I didn't know that <laughs> happened. <laughs> <laughs> yes. After screening their luggage, I locked them in a room. <laughs> You're like, see you later. Maybe. <laughs> kind of creepy. Super fun. Yeah. I mean, we could spend a whole podcast talking about my airline, my airline <laughs> definitely in my blood. Um, but yeah, I left there and I went into corporate training. Like mm -hmm. it was one of those things where I just, I started training everybody that would come into the airport. And my manager was like, there's something in you. I think you need to be doing some training. And so I ended up going into corporate training space for the airlines. And that led into, um, you know, wanting to learn more the business side of things. And so I actually ended up going on to retail 
um, in consumer packaged goods, store leadership and district management, working for a couple of organizations, Starbucks Coffee Company for one, and then Coca-Cola Enterprises um, as a district manager. And yeah, and then beyond that, I mean, I won't even tell you the whole corporate career story, but you could tell, you know, there's beyond that I went into overall, I had six different industries that I had worked in total. Yep. Um, my last stint before I left corporate America, I was actually leading the field HR business partner team for an early childhood education provider. Um, and I found out, like, I just realized after four years of doing it, I loved my job so much. I really loved the influence I got to have. I loved being an HR business partner. I loved leading a team of HR business partners. I just love operations because my entire career was back and forth between operations, like being in operations and then being on the HR side in training or albeit talent management or HR business partnership. So I just went back and forth between the two as my entire corporate career. And I just, you know, I loved what I did, except I found that after four years, I was literally logging more air miles than my husband and my husband, Haley, my husband's a pilot. Did you know that? <laughs> I did know that because I know you fly standby, but how, how could you log more air miles? Like what were, were you were just flying all over doing these trainings? That sounds really exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not the air miles that I loved. There was certainly a lot of parts of, you know, a, a lot, a lot of parts of my job that were absolutely feeding me. Mm. You know, there were just the influence that I got to have the leadership I got to have. And I wasn't doing just training. I was doing a lot of coaching. <laughs> I, I got to have a lot of influence and that certainly feeds a lot of stuff within us. Right. Like I think the corporate climb, especially like, let's just back up. Like in many of the organizations I was in, not the last one, but in many of the organizations I was in, I was in male dominated environments typical. and I was, yeah, very typical. And so I was this female that continued this, we'll call it the corporate climb. I, and I was literally like, let's just call it what it is, climbing a ladder that wasn't built for me. Mm. And mm. I figured out how to do it. And many of us figure out how to do it because we take on a lot of tendencies that maybe might aren't as natural for us, but they get us results. They get us success. They get us in this achievement mindset. Right. And in this place in my corporate career, I was definitely in that place of like, let's achieve, let's, let's reach the goal. Let's accomplish the thing. Let's get results, results, results. That's the part that's so exhausting right? Mm -hmm. Not that, I mean, doing the training is great and being able to see the world and travel is fun. Like, but really the parts are exhausting is when you find yourself outside of yourself. Yeah. Like I am no longer being true to the true nature of who I am because I am becoming somebody whom I'm not naturally wired to be as I'm climbing a ladder. It wasn't even built for me. Yeah. I had this vision in my head of you like literally climbing up a ladder, but you're like, shedding things that are actually you to get there. You're like, oh, this backpack that I love, I can't, I can't carry that up here. And it sounds like such a massive sacrifice of who you are. So what did you feel like you were sacrificing in order to make it to the next rung? Hmm. That is such a great question. And I think that not even all of these things are entirely clear yet to me. Like I, even I'm how many years po post corporate detox, six, six, seven. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah. Going on six years, six and a half years. 
Um, I think it's kind of like this treasure chest too, that like you just keep pulling back, like, well, here's what's on top to deal with right now. But as you go on, you just recognize there's actually more below it. And so I think what I can speak to more clearly are maybe some of the the patterns or the tendencies that I would find myself in in corporate that were pointing to somebody who wasn't necessarily my true nature. So let's talk about number one, people pleasing. Yes. So huge. (laughs) (laughs) So So rampant. So rampant. So rampant. And people pleasing really comes from this place of not having boundaries, not having clear boundaries. And in corporate, when you're climbing a ladder that wasn't built for you, that's a really, that's a tricky thing to deal with because you've got people that want certain things from you. And you also feel good as a result of giving them what they need because it feeds you in some way to an extent until you realize, oh no, this actually feels like I'm having to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mm -hmm. And I'm on a plane every week, logging more air miles than my husband. And this does not feel good. Right. Mm -hmm. So people pleasing is one. I think another, another cycle that you know, I, I found myself in, and I see it in people I coach all the time now is comparison. It's this comparison towards, yeah, you're like shaking your head like, yeah. Well, I just, I'm, I'm saying that because my comparison monster, I kind of reared its head over the past few days. And I'm, I'm just having this vision because I had a, I actually had a coaching session where I named my comparison gremlin Campari, kind of like the liqueur. And I gave her this persona that she's like this like chain smoker with like a big floppy hat and one of those bags of like the bag of everything. Like she holds all of her comparison. She's like, oh, wait, I got something to compare that to. And I gave her this whole (laughs) persona. So I'm laughing about that. And I think comparison, I know that it has it has followed me out of the corporate world and I feel like it's a a little bit of a different gremlin when you're in corporate versus when you're in your own business. Yep. And I know that comparison is one of those hard forces in life that we just want to be like good enough. And so we always have this benchmark that we are marking ourselves to, again, that, that benchmark that wasn't set up for us. Right. And wasn't established within our own value systems, which creates that huge cognitive dissonance, in my opinion. And so I'm curious, how did you experience that comparison? Yeah, in a lot of different ways. I mean, you put yourself in any environment and not to say that, you know, performance reviews in a corporate setting are bad, but that's like one place where it can show up really well, like really significantly. I mean, in terms of like, as an organization, you're handed a budget and you got to like literally force rank all your people to figure out who's getting more income, mm-hmm. <laughs> who's going to get a bigger raise than somebody else. Right. And me being, you know, in HR, not only was I in that system, but I was also a part of right? Administering that system with the leaders that I worked with. And that just always felt like such a rub for, oh my gosh, like what's actually happening here is, you know, a ranking. And I think there's lots of great things come out of the intention behind some of the systems and the structure and the organizations that we have is actually not a bad thing, but the way that we use them can be used to um, (laughs) 
really break people down in yeah. really significant ways. So, I mean, those are like, and I just think even, yeah, who's selected for different projects or gets to do certain things or mm-hmm. who gets the promotion. I mean, it's just rampant in every area, this, this theory of comparison, you know, mm-hmm. it's in an interview process. One person gets the job. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I I think I saw like a job posting once and they like were very transparent about their hiring process and something that really struck me so vividly was that they had this value of objectivity and there was no room for intuition. And I know someone else who was interviewing for, for a position on her team and she kept saying to me, I just feel like this person is going to be the best fit for the team. And they don't hit every single mark, but yeah. personality-wise, culturally-wise, they're an excellent fit for the team. And she kept doubting her intuition and kept saying, oh, I think I need to interview someone else. Oh, I think you know my manager doesn't really see the value in this person. And luckily... I will say that person was hired, thankfully, but I know so many other places where intuition has absolutely no basis or foundation or validation in a selection process. It comes down to those like data and hard numbers, which again, there's that push pull where data is so important and there's a human sitting in front of you. Well said. I think that is probably the number one thing that was not allowed for me in that is, you know, you talk about my mission in the beginning about reclaiming your true identity. And that to me is connecting with your intuition. And that does, that is not honored in many corporate spaces. And in fact, if you even bring the word feeling or emotion up, there's an instant shutdown in many of the room, because we're taught from a really young age, we have this conditioning that says, I mean, I remember it, my dad, my dad, who is no longer with us, um, but, and he, and he taught me so many beautiful, great, brilliant things, but there are some things he taught me in this realm that just were not okay. Like I remember him saying in my first job, going to the airport, I remember saying out the door, you know, Valine, whatever you do, like, don't forget, check your baggage at the door. What he was really saying is don't show your emotion, put on your strong face, right? Put on the mask. put on the mask and pretend if something isn't right, or it doesn't feel right. Don't say it, don't share it. And I, that was very much my experience in working in a lot of areas of corporate. And that to me is I, our, our, like we have so many different senses, right. But our intuitive sense is like the, for me and my, you know, belief system is the direct connection to source, universe, the God, the all being. And that is the way that we can really sense and lean into and really have an energetic feel for things, but that's definitely not a space that's honored in corporate. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Intuition is probably one of my number top one values in, mm-hmm. uh, for me personally, and has always been, and I've always followed that. And I don't, I know that in my corporate career, I, I made decisions out of that intuition as well. And sometimes, you know, sometimes they did backfire. And that's okay because a lot of times I would see data-driven decisions that were so off the mark, like even more so than trusting intuition. And yeah. it it was so frustrating to me that there, 
there was no space for that. And also that in something that you said, like strong, put your strong face on that intuition is doesn't equate to strength. It is yeah. seen. I mean, naturally it is a more, if we're talking about masculine and feminine qualities. It is a more feminine quality. And I think about um, that idea of Sophia century right now, this concept of Sophia century, which is, I think Lynn Twist brought it forward. If you haven't watched that uh, TED talk, uh, I'll link it in the show notes. Um, very fascinating, but essentially for the past however many years, we've been flying with this masculine wing and the feminine wing has been clipped. And so what has happened, this masculine wing, like when one wing is clipped, you gain so much more musculature in that other wing. And in my opinion, you kind of fly in circles when you have one wing clipped. <laughs> and yeah. I think we're freeing that intuition and we're freeing that permission to say, hey, we're actually not as strong when we clip intuition, when we clip these more feminine qualities, when we clip compassion or emotion in the workplace, because we cannot stop being human, even in an institution, which is somewhat, I think it, we're getting better. I want to acknowledge that, but has somewhat set us up to be robotic and always performing and always at peak creativity, which is just objectively against human nature. Amen. <laughs> Amen to all of that. Yeah. And I think I don't know, so many people, so many of my clients, I mean, they're feeling this and they're, they are sensing this. And I think when we have both of those wings, right, whether regardless of the gender that we identify as, we all have within us masculine and feminine tendencies. And I think the call for all of us is how do we bring those into balance? How do we get both of these wings really in harmony? And when we do that, we're going to find ourselves experiencing much better qualities of our own work-life harmony. Uh, we're going to experience... a we're going to be able to create, not just experience, but we're going to be able to create environments where people feel like they can be seen and they can be fully known. And we can honor the intuitive side. We can honor the analytical side and the thinking mm -hmm. side. I mean, how often do you find yourself saying, I mean, have you ever said, I don't know why I need to do this thing, but it just feels like it's the thing I need to do and it just won't go away. And I just need to do it. It's just the thing. And have you ever had anybody on the other side of that going, yeah, but show me the data or show me the reasons or give me your analysis about why? Yes. And that can feel really stifling, right? Mm -hmm. Especially in business when you've got maybe a board that you are, that you need to report to or a team that you're responsible to and people want reasons. We want reasons. 100%. Like we are, mm -hmm. we grow up in this conditioning of right or wrong, good or bad certitude. We grow up needing certitude in many ways. And unfortunately, <laughs> that's not life. When we're able to bring both of our masculine and feminine tendencies together, we actually find ourselves in a place of um, not certitude, but mm -hmm. yet an inner knowing. Absolutely. I could talk about that all day long. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no apologies here. There are no apologies on this podcast. Sure. Period. Because we this is, I mean, again, I know that we could talk about this all day long because this is something that we are seeing affect our well-being. 
Yes. And affect our happiness levels and affect how we show up in our personal lives, how much satisfaction we have in our personal lives, how much health we have. I know from myself, my burnout affected me physically in ways that I could not have ever predicted and didn't want to deal with, quite frankly. We're past that. We're moving past that. And I think that we're seeing this rampant lost sense of lost and sense of wandering and disconnection because we are so because like the latter that you said like we shed so much of ourselves we're like I have no idea where I even put myself or how to even put myself back together totally oh my gosh Kaylee my heart is like beating a little extra fast right now as you say it because I think the thing, and I've been, I say this a lot with my clients and just in conversations I have with people, I think what we're really longing for is a place of connection. And that's coming from a place of disconnection, but that place of like, we, we become so disconnected, but not just disconnected from others. We become disconnected from ourselves. And I think what we're really longing for is that sense of belonging. Yes. in community, but first with ourselves. And I think we get so misguided when we try to put our connection in community before we actually are connected to ourselves. Like we're constantly, I always think of it like, have you ever just like landed another country and you turn your cell phone on and it goes searching for a signal and it's like, <laughs> it's like searching, yeah. searching, searching, searching. It's kind of the same thing. Like we're out there constantly looking for a connection because we're human. That's what we want. We want yes. connection, but what are we connecting ourselves to? And I don't think we're always clear on that and it can get really muddy, you know, when we are yeah, just thinking our, I talk a lot about conditioning and how we're conditioned by whatever our culture is, the society, the country that we're born in, the religion we're born up in, the whatever it might be, the systems, the structures, but we're conditioned and we become, we find connection, but early on. And I think there's this part of us, it's almost like the caterpillar to the butterfly journey where we go through the chrysalis and we're like dying within that to me was the corporate climb. It's like, I was shedding so much but I needed to go through that climb to realize what it was I was longing to be connected to. Mm. So I wouldn't have done it any other way, but it's also an acknowledgement now that I can look back and say, Oh, wow. Those were all the ways that I actually lost myself. That's how I became disconnected. And I didn't know who I truly was inside. And I didn't know, like, yes, I had a voice. Yes. I had influence. It was feeding me in a lot of ways and I wouldn't change any of those ways, Mm -hmm. but I needed to go through that experience to understand what it was I was actually longing for. And that's what started my corporate detox. Yes. Really. Yes. So what, how did you reconnect to that longing and like, what was knocking on your door? Holy schmoly. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the very short version, Jan, I, I live now I'm in between Illinois and the Florida um, States in the United States for any global listeners. Um, I <laughs> do not like snow. <laughs> and you live outside of Chicago. <laughs> and I live outside of Chicago land area. That's a whole other story of like going from Pennsylvania to North Carolina and swearing I would never move any further north. But then I went back to Illinois. I went like way north mm-hmm. into the Midwest and Illinois. But it started when after, you know, th- realizing this burnout and realizing all of the ways in which I was depleted, my well-being was suffering. 
I didn't even know who I was anymore. Like I was waking up, still getting success, still getting the promotion, still making a ton of money, still getting all of the things that people would look at on the outside and say, wow, she's really successful. But Mm -hmm. inside I did not feel successful. I had tangible outcomes that would show you here's success by your definition. But inside I felt like I was dying. So rewind January um, of so January, 2017, <laughs> I land in Chicago after a four day trip. It was one of the hardest business trips I'd had for various reasons. And I land in Chicago. Something happened in my body. I cannot physically describe it to you other than when the plane hit the ground, mm-hmm. feels touched down. My body instantly like shook and tears just started pouring, just pouring The guy sitting in the middle seat next to me, I was in a window. He looked at me very concerned and he said, ma'am, are you okay? At that time, my mask was on, not COVID mask. I mean, my, like the mask I was wearing to hide myself from the world. And I said, oh yes, I'm fine. Something's in my eye. Everything's fine. I realized like, I can't cry in public. I can't show my emotion. This is not okay. We pull into the gate and I look out my airplane window And my husband is in the cockpit of the airplane, literally next to us, pushing back on a four-day trip. We had just missed each other because of a delay. And we had literally become two planes passing in the night. And this wasn't the first time, but something in that moment, as I'm looking out, tears streaming, waving at my husband, I start crying. And the guy looks at me in the middle seat again and says, no, ma'am, really, are you okay? And I said, no, I'm not okay. Something needs to change. Thank you for your concern. I have resources. Like... I was really grateful that this man took notice that something wasn't okay, but it made me realize something right now. I made the decision that things need to be different. It wasn't until six months later that I actually left corporate many conversations with my boss whom I adored. And I think was very supportive of me. Um, We talked a lot about ways of things that might need to change within the organization for me to stay. And none of these things were possible. And so I knew I needed to leave, but it took six months. Like I was that attached I was that attached. So I left the journey at that point of the reconnection to myself started from, I took three months of time. I came to the beach. I, it took me a month to even just realize like, who am I? What do I feel like in my body? What does my body even need or want to do? Like it took that long for me to just even settle from this highly intense, you know, thing over so long. And that I would say started the journey. And it also started a spiritual awakening, which I know you and I have talked a little bit about in some of our walk and talks and some other things that became known to me over the, over the past six years or so. Um, but that truly was, it was that it was me untethering myself from something I had been so connected to for so long and every worldly reason Every fact, every data point that you could point to would say I was absolutely crazy and insane to leave. But my body said, no, my body said, don't stay. My body said, go. And it was even, Haley, this is crazy. Six months after I left, I started feeling this sense of, you know, you that point when you make a decision and you're, you're just enough over that brave step, but still close enough. You can turn back. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I was in that phase and I'd had a conversation with some of the people I'd formerly worked with. They knew I was missing the connection that I had had to this corporate setting. 
And I actually ended up on a plane again, flying to meet my boss in another city on a trip she was on, my former boss, yep. having a conversation about me coming back. Wow. Yeah. The whole night progressed. I thought I was going to go back. I thought the answer was okay. Like I just needed a six month detox and I'm going back. We parted ways We at the elevator at the end of the night. And we had some pleasantries in an exchange and something in my body said, don't go back. I got on the plane the next morning to go home. I had a, the same feelings I had in the pit of my stomach on the right-hand side that I literally had had like ultrasound CT scans for like trying to figure out what medically is wrong with my body. Nothing was wrong with my body yeah. except that my body was trying to tell me no. And so I've learned to listen to this, this, mm -hmm. this pain. And when this comes up, what does it actually mean for me? And what is it indicating? And that is, I said no. And it was within two to three weeks of that decision of saying no to go back. I was terrified. Like, what am I really going to do? Like it was within two to three weeks that my business turned significantly profitable. And I went, wow. oh my God, like, whoa. What's happening here? And I've just leaned into listening to that voice ever since. It doesn't mean that things are a cakewalk and it's a breeze and like, oh, great, everything's sunshine and roses. But it means that was that that step of bravery and of connection to myself to say, I can trust my body. I can trust my intuition. And it's trying to speak so loudly. And I keep seeking connection and everything outside of me just to feel like I'm enough and that I'm worthy. And I can instead come inside and know that I am enough and I am worthy as I am now. And that's my connection. Now, it's that's it's been a journey. And it's yeah. literally my message is when you trust your inner leader, you will lead with an unshakable knowing that you are enough and you will awaken your impact. That is my message. It's come from my mess. It's a message that I still need daily. It is not a message that I will sit here and claim to be overcome or an expert. Because I think the world says that in order to serve others, we have to have achieved, like conquered something. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's true. I think that's a line of crap. <laughs> I think it's a line of crap. So I'm on the journey of continually to, for me, it's, it's a daily check-in. It's not and I can sense it in my body when I'm losing that connection with myself, when I find myself in people pleasing or comparison or overthinking mm -hmm. or analysis paralysis or looking for connection and everything outside of myself. I know that I'm no longer trusting myself mm. in those spaces. Mm. I resonate so, so deeply with everything that you've said. And I want to highlight how incredible the body is at screaming at us. I like to say hitting us over the head with a two by four. Sometimes I wish it was just this magical uh, sage stick that would, you know, Palo Santo would hit me over the head with and, you know, you know, cleanse me. But sometimes it's a two by four. It sounds like you got your two by four in your in your tummy. And the power of the body to whisper to us, right? Like there are probably so many whispers along the way that your body was sharing with you yeah. that they just weren't loud enough for you to hear through the corporate mask and the like the corporate earmuffs and the earplugs that were shoved into your ears for so long that you couldn't listen. Yes. Yes. I love this evolution of seeing how vibrant you are now. I can I truly in knowing you could not imagine a more aligned path for you and more potency 
of you having influence in the world. Like, I think that one of the things I've heard so many people in corporate say is, well, I want to be really significant and I want to have influence and I want to have power. Mm-hmm. And if I depart from this place that infuses me with that sense of accomplishment when I do these things and someone, you know, dings the bell and goes, you did it right. And you get this award or you get this promotion that they're so fearful that that will go away and that power influence and significance will go away if they step off of the ladder. Totally. Yeah. And what does power and significance and influence really look like when you're connected to yourself versus connected to everything outside of you? Because wow, I feel like I have power. It's inner power now. It's inner agency. It's to me, it's the ability to be able to say no when somebody asks me to do something that feels completely misaligned either to my value system or just because, hey, it's Saturday and I want to stay inside and read read a book and have a cup of tea instead of going out for dinner with you. Like mm-hmm. it's not feeling an obligation. To me, that is that is the power that we're truly seeking, but we, we try yes. to misplace it and find it in other forms of power and agency that actually, I mean, we, we want to have people, we want good people to have good influence mm-hmm. right, in the world. But when it's coming from a place of connection to your intuition, that's a very different power than when you're connected to a sense of this egoic need for survival and for safety and belonging. Completely. It's the externalization of power and significance rather than the internal valuing of what that actually means to you. And I think that means that we have, I'm going to say the word responsibility. We have the responsibility to ourselves and to the world around us to define what that actually means to us. Yes, And that is where I think the true transformation change and influence and even more powerful significance can happen is when we align to our own definition of that and refine that for ourselves, rediscover it. There are not enough hearts <laughs> for me to like <laughs> give you that explain just how what you said was so beautiful. Mm. It's so true. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, for those, for, for anyone listening in on our, on our lunch date here <laughs> that is working in corporate and thinks by listening to this, oh my gosh, this means I need to jump ship and start mm-hmm. my own business. That is not at all true. That 100%. might be your path, yep. right? That might be your path. I think the call here is what does you connecting with yourself look like where you're planted right now? Because mm-hmm. I didn't have that wake up call. I had the wake up call through <laughs> the climbing and all of the things that needed to happen before I got it. And my path was my path. And I don't know what entirely what the future holds and like where I'll be planted then. But, but what I know is I now know, regardless of where I'm planted, whether that's in corporate or in a business or wherever it may be. Mm-hmm. I know that true connection and belonging comes first from within myself and that the true influence and the change, the world change that we all want to have happen, like that radical transformation, that internal connection is what creates that radical external impact. Mm-hmm. Do it Absolutely. Where you're I, uh, my friend, uh, she's also on this podcast, Eliza, she, uh, her old tagline used to be um, live where your feet are. And that kind of reminds me of wherever you are, you can, one, reconnect to self, whatever environment that you're in, you can reconnect to self 
And that gives you, in my opinion, the most beautiful power that you could ever possess is reconnecting to self and having that solid connection internally. And right, we're not saying, you know, follow us, build your own business and jump ship, right? That that's one of so many paths you can take. And I think we need more people in corporate who are doing this because that is where the significant change and influence happens. Yes. We don't just need it from external sources. We don't just need everyone forming their own business, right? Like some people like <laughs> up until, I don't know, a little less than, or a little more than a year ago, I thought, nah, I'm not a business owner. That's a whole nother. <laughs> uh, I'll do another podcast on that, that whole old belief that I held. And I thought, oh yeah, like I will always work with the team. I will always work underneath someone. I will never own my own thing. No one in my life showed me how to do that. How could I possibly do that? And I know that I thrived in that environment in a way, right? Yeah. It burns me. I also thrived in it for a long time as well because of that connection. And be, like some people, right, there's no shame. There's no disappointment in that being your place to thrive. Totally, totally. And we, like you said, Kaylee, we need so many people to do it. We're going to have organizations around for a really long time. Mm -hmm. We, and, and I just want people to thrive, right? Yes. Where they're planted in that space. It's, it's so true. And we have the ability and the capacity to do it just by connecting to self, connecting with ourselves really. Yes, absolutely. So that brings me to a really interesting question, Val, of what do you think we are missing from our recipe to thrive? That is exactly it. Connection to yeah. self. It really is. It is the trusting it's the connecting to ourselves. And I think I want anybody listening to this to not feel shame around that if they're not proactively doing that today. I want to like hear me loud and clear it is not your fault. But now that you know you have a responsibility, right? Yes. It's not your fault. And here's why I say it's not your fault. Like the conditioning that we're all brought up and I mentioned to and alluded to earlier, I mean, I don't know, everybody comes from different upbringing, different voices that they hear from elders, from teachers, coaches, mentors, whatever. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of positive voices in my head. I also had some really flawed conditioning that was passed down to me ancestrally, you know, and some of that conditioning is you can't trust yourself. True wisdom mm -hmm. comes from those who are wiser. Look to your elders, look to them, like seek their wisdom. I think that's all true, but not in spite of seeking your internal wisdom first. So for whoever's listening, if you needed to hear that, not your fault, don't need to feel shame and the path back to your true inner influence, your inner power, your inner trust is connecting with yourself before connecting outside. Could not agree more. This is, this sounds like the ethos of your entire business and it's called agora so for those who are not familiar with that term agora i know that i when i first heard it i was like val is this a made-up word what is this yes please tell us more about what agora means and how it has become your brand and identity and why it's so important to you 
Yeah, it's so important to me. And so what's really cool is like this to me, just how intuition, universe, God, source, whatever you want to call that for you, takes care of us when we are listening. I actually struggled with naming my business after my corporate detox and the vision came to start it. And I have a very a best friend of mine, shout out to Hannah. She's incredible. She's done some work with me. She's just amazing. She's actually the one that named my business, but it came through all of this conversation about what this looks like. And the word Agora came to her. It's a Greek word. And it came to her. And I immediately started doing like all this research, like, wait, what does this mean? What does this mean? So the Agora in ancient Greece, it was the place in the center of town where people went to do business and they went to find community. And you know, it was a bustling place. I could think of a marketplace where people would go and pick up their groceries, whatever they might need. Yep. But it's a place where they could go and they could get help and they could be seen and known. And so in this one space, people could, if they chose to, engage in meaningful relationships. They could get the resources that they needed to lead successful lives. And that just became the foundation for, wow, that's when I think of the community that I want is I want for people to enter into spaces where one, they can be brave, they can become more loving, they can be seen and known just as they are not being fixed, proselytized, changed, converted to anything. They can literally just be who they are as they are. And to me, that's a sense of maybe not entirely the same as a Greek Agora, but that's the Agora, that's Agora's version of Agora that we're, that I'm really, really wanting to create. And that has been a mission for me for the past six years. And I'm really grateful to, you know, Hannah in those moments of just like wrestling with me through so many deep conversations that she trusted her intuitive sense because the word has deeply formulated even more beyond what we could see in that moment. So that's just like such a cool, like how we are just so taken care of if we just trust and we follow and we listen, like it was a very intuitive decision to name Agora Agora. It made no sense. Like most people will listen to it and go, what does that even mean? Like <laughs> yeah. and that from a marketer's perspective would say, it's not clear enough. You need to come up with a different name. That's more clear. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And Right. If it's something that's why, like, how can people trust it if it's unknown? Yes. And you have a thriving, successful business. And I think you're yeah. such a beacon of hope and uh, like leading by example that when we know something in our bones, when we know something so deeply within ourselves and we can trust in that knowing and filter out all the other noise that there's no other path than for that to be successful. Wow. It's true. That has been my experience. <sighs> I'm taking that in for myself. And I hope that anyone listening will take that in for themselves of anything that's been stirring within you, anything that has been knocking at your door, that it's worth it to go down that path. It might not it might be the hardest path you've ever gone down. <laughs> and Val and I talk all the time and we can tell you that, you know, following our intuition and path has not been the easiest in the slightest. <laughs> and it has been heart-wrenching and it has been heart-opening and it has been at times soul-crushing. And at the same time, it has been the most beautiful decisions that we could have made is to trust that intuition. Wow. So well said, Kaylee. 
Oh, I could talk to you forever, my dear. I'm like, can we just have lunch longer? (laughs) Please, if I didn't have to go teach some yoga right now, I'd say yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I need to, I need to go nourish my in people folks and, and give them some, what I call yummy yoga. My, my mother asked me what yummy yoga was the other day. She's like, people are going to think that you're handing out snacks. It's true. (laughs) There's something a little more kinky than that. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I have always wanted. Okay. Side note, fun fact. I have always wanted to lead like an inappropriate song yoga class where like, like Janelle Monae's, if you haven't heard Janelle Monae's yoga, please go listen to it. It's amazing. I love it. Um, one of the song lyrics yeah I will (laughs) one of the song lyrics is baby bend over let me see you do that yoga (laughs) oh funny so I've always so if anyone wants to participate in that like dm me send me a request and maybe we'll like get that flowing up here (laughs) hopefully you don't have some random people listening to this that you're getting now marriage proposals through oh yeah please if you're creepy (laughs) do not message me you will get no response (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's a, that's a caveat out there no creepers, please I I'm gonna say that only heart-centered people are listening to this podcast that's what I'm manifesting <laughs> this is true well aside from us having lunch together Val who else would you want to sit down and have lunch with anyone who would you invite there are I would have a very oh, my friend Beth you know Beth um you know, her theme for her right now in her life is Crowded Table, a beautiful song by um, Brandy Carlisle, whom I love, Crowded Table. I would have literally a crowded lunch table. Like there's so many people I would invite um, that I just am curious about. And I think, you know, top of that list, I won't rattle on everybody, but Brandy Carlisle is one of them. She has a really beautiful story um, and a yeah. great memoir. If you haven't read it, um, Broken Horses. I haven't. I could put that. I should put that on my list, though. It's so good. Beautiful memoir. Um, so she'd be one. But I think my dad. You know, my dad has been passed now. It'll almost be four years this year. And I don't. I wouldn't just invite him to lunch like as he left this earth. I'd actually invite him back now, like with what he knows now. Um, since like, you know, since crossing over from yeah. this to the next, and you know what that is. I would just. Uh, and I think we do have in a way connection to that and connection to all that has happened and come, but I just, I'd have a lot of conversation with him about that. Mm. I love that invitation and I hope you can have that lunch. I'd love Thank to you. be there. I know you didn't list me, but I'd love to be there. Oh, you would be there. <laughs> I was going to say too, can we not just have lunch again in person sometime soon? Oh good. yes. Yes, please. And thank you. Val and I, I manifest, I'm putting it in now. We're going to build a retreat at some point in time. So you can just come have lunch with us for like, what, five days or something. Great. (laughs) All about connection with your higher self. Let's do it. It is. It is. (laughs) And speaking of good things to eat, what's your favorite snack? Oh, you did share this question with me, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Um, I think my favorite snacks are changing all the time. It's okay. It's okay. You can just tell me right now. You know, some people eat eat to live and some live to eat. Yes. Yeah. What's the one that's like, I love food and don't just need it to live. Yeah. (laughs) All the time. (laughs) My husband eats to live. I live to eat. Um, I just love all kinds of food. You know what? I think one of my favorite snacks right now, it's probably, um, it's kiwi. Ooh. 
I love, I'm just loving Kiwi. Hey, <laughs> maybe it's the right. dopamine sugar boost that I'm getting from it. I don't know, but yeah. I'm loving Kiwi right now. Okay. I love that like texture of Kiwi. Do you eat the skin? Like, do you no. eat the skin? No, right? No, I do yeah. not understand. If anybody does that, please help me understand what that's like. It feels kind of fuzzy and furry and just no. Yeah. It doesn't belong in the mouth. <laughs> no. I actually have a really cool utensil where you cut the kiwi in half and you like, you just put it in and twirl it and it automatically oh. pulls everything out. It's a super cool resource. Wow. Okay. I've heard of like the garlic presses and like, I've had a grapefruit knife, but I've never heard of the kiwi tool. It's a kiwi tool. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if that's what it's called, but it, we're it calling it the kiwi tool. <laughs> I love that you have that. Like, that's a commitment to the Kiwi. <laughs> yes, I'm very committed. And you've already shared that that ingredient to thrive that you hope people will add to their recipe is connection to self. Yes. What is one practice that you could offer for anyone listening that wants to start that connection process, but may not know how to do that? There's a million ways. I think one of the things that helped me really on that may be valuable, if you are at a place where you sense, and I think most of us can, if you're in a conversation with someone and you just sense something doesn't feel right, don't turn that part of you off. Mm. And you might not be able to do it in the moment. Whether it's a request, maybe it's a friend that you know, wants you to go do something over the weekend. Maybe it's a spouse or a partner or a parent or a child, like whomever it might be. If you're just sensing, I don't want that. You might not be able to answer it in the moment, but make a commitment to yourself to go journal about that, to reflect on that, to say what's actually coming up here for me. What is, what is wanting to be said and just commit that you're going to explore that because that's something within you that is trying to have a voice and in my belief system, the leading voice of your entire life. And so listening to it and trusting and surrender, I think is the hardest thing we get to do, but uh, it's like you said, well worth the journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not shutting that part off, letting it have a voice. Yep. Even if it's, even if it has that loud voice in the moment, we can investigate where that came from. Yep. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom and your heart today and your story. Uh, I cannot wait to have you back on because I just mm. love you so much. I was going to say thank you. And thanks for, yeah, just thank you for having me and for this being a space where I can share my story and explore it from new ways and different angles. I'm grateful. Mm. So grateful for you. And for anyone listening who wants to steep in your beautiful presence and wisdom and learn from you more, um, I know that you're offering the Agora Leadership Book Club, which is a really cool offering and a really amazing take on a book club. So can you just quickly tell us a little bit more about that and where they can find um, and where they can connect with you? Totally. You can go to Agora Coach, A-G-O-R-A Coach.com and slash book club or just agoracoach.com and you can find out there but it is a leadership book club for those that consider themselves to be a leader so you may or may not be a leader of teams but you you definitely desire to be a catalyst for change and make a meaningful difference in the communities and teams that you do serve and you want to show up and take risks and learn and inspire and so that's what this book club is for here's the the take that that kaylee just mentioned um this is a book summary club how many book clubs have you ever joined where you don't actually have to read the book 
Every single mm-hmm. month you are given a book summary that's 15 minutes or less for one book. And then we meet at the end of the month to process the book together in a community of, of other like-hearted leaders. I so love this offering. You're making it so accessible for people to tap into their inner leader, to get support from like-minded community and also in a beautiful way. I, if I had a professional development stipend, I'd be like, yes, 100% you get all of my money. So (laughs) I hope that so many people are feeling a call to work with you and, and be in that community that of catalyst and change that we're changing our way of influence. And I know that I feel your influence in my life. So thank you so much. I can't wait to have you back on again. Thanks, Kaylee. It's great to be here. If this podcast has nourished you in some way, it would mean so much to me if you'd be willing to take 30 seconds to click and follow the pod so you never miss an episode. You can do so on the main show page on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And while you're there, if you'd be willing to leave a review and share an episode with a friend, I would be so grateful. I appreciate you so very much.